I was reading this before the new movies came out, and they were saying that pretty much all of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park mythology are have now are outdated now. Oh, really? Like they don't, like they don't like, exist? Yeah, like a lot of them have been replaced by newer, updated creatures that are so different that they are really not quite even the same thing anymore. Like, huh. like I think there is a predator that the T-Rex was like a precursor to, but now I don't... Yeah. And I, I could be wrong about this. No, I read I read me, about but, the same thing, and it was yeah. it was actually a very interesting article because it related to the it was it was really a something about the shift from the original Jurassic Park and the concept behind it to okay. this was right before Jurassic World came out, right? And how it had gone from this popularizing of like cutting quote cutting edge science to something that was completely made up, right? And yeah. And, but not only that, but was following in the footsteps of the original movie at the expense of newly discovered scientific evidence. Could you, um, could you say they um, spared no expense? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, even like the idea, you know, the idea of like the feathered dinosaurs, yeah. which is now a very yeah. pretty prevalent right. hypothesis, and they found fossils. Right. You know, relating. But, you know, Jurassic Park is not Jurassic Park if it's a bunch of birds instead of lizards. Right. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's like velociraptors the whole... and T-Rexes. That's what Jurassic Park not is. Not peacocks? No. <laughs> the Moral of the Story. The podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. But the reality is that is what yeah. the science now says more yeah hmm. which is it just it but th- that means now the science flies in the face of kind of the tales we have right grown up right thinking we are telling right right um you know so i was i was a, saying earlier it's a chicken pre, yeah, yeah it's not a an chicken. iguana <laughs> yeah i was i was saying earlier that uh you know to me jurassic park and the whole franchise of jurassic park it has a few different <laughs> DNA elements that you know Jurassic come into play. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an Animaniacs episode. Um, but uh, one of the big strains in it is just the fact that the T Rex, all the way, fr- and I don't know when the T Rex first was introduced to the popular imagination. I'm guessing like right, cer- right. science books, circa the 60s or the 70s. But for several decades, there was this pent up cult of the t-rex you know little boys looking at their science magazines and you know fantasizing over I mean, still. what this creature yeah. exists yeah, little boys still do that. Yeah, yeah i know yeah and and uh and so when technology suddenly made it possible for the director behind jaws to do the same thing right. with the mythical t-rex you know, and Spielberg, of course, did it so well in that famous oh, yeah. raining scene yeah. Yeah. where Still the T-Rex is after him, you know, cinema history, that you can't really do that twice. Yeah. You can't do Jurassic Park 2, yeah. Jurassic Park 3, because you've done it. And well, it's, and what I was saying to that it's is It's like, like Jaws in the same way. Well, you can't get more terrifying than the T-Rex because mm. it's like everything... To top the T-Rex, you basically have to come up with something that's just completely made up and completely... King Kong? Well, <laughs> actually, the T Rex, another another episode. Yeah. <laughs> the T Rex in the world in, of uh, Jurassic Park. Peter Jackson's T Rexes were pretty scary. I gotta say, in, in his movie. King Kong, in yeah. his King Kong. Well, yeah. that was actually what I thought was so awesome about King Kong. Um, not that you thought this was weird. a Jurassic Park episode? <laughs> it's just an, new ancient 
science. Um, no, it was that like the seeing the superiority of King Kong over the T Rexes yeah. and their limitation because yeah. they don't have things like hands. Right. You know, if you get yeah. the scale up, you know that actually there's a hilarious a really T Rex end up in a. Meet the Robinsons because there's a T Rex in that, and he's like, "Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah, I, I remember can't that." Do oh yeah, <laughs> I was actually watching a little behind the scenes thing from <laughs> Lord of the Rings, which ah, huh, now it's a Lord of the Rings episode. But uh, <laughs> they were saying it was one of the, it was the visual effects supervisor at Weta Digital, mm-hmm. and basically they said when the premiere for Return of the King, like they had it in New Zealand, they had it in Wellington, or I think it was Wellington, or mm-hmm. um, in New Zealand, big party at Weta, literally the night of after the party, Peter Jackson sent out an email to, to Weta Digital be like, and said, uh, we have a production meeting for King Kong tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so oh, like literally man. the night after premiere, they well, started working It's funny because yeah. Peter Jackson's King Kong, not to pursue the rabbit trail, but that's one of the most epic filmmaking feats I've ever seen yeah. in, in the theater. It's huge. And it is totally forgotten. Like yeah. it is like, in the dustbin of history, I know. It's which it, which 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 is strange. Like, and in a way, it deserves it because it wasn't a great movie, but it was but an visually. amazing movie. Yeah. It was a it was a blow your mind. I wonder if it it was a spectacular movie. Well, I wonder if it was because it came off the heels of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. because you literally Maybe. had Lord, you had Return of the King, which is famous as one of three movies who won all the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. like. That's like you can't really top that. So I wonder if he kind of wants of three, his own. Not meaning the trilogy. What? Not meaning the trilogy. Not no. The Return of the King. Which well, is, I know. Yeah. Saying it was one of three movies that won all those awards. What are the other ones? Titanic and Ben Hur. Okay. Oh. Titan- uh, ben Hur, Titanic, yeah. and Return of the King. Three movies in history that have won every single Academy Award. Oh wow! In the same year. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. So it was like best picture, best visual effects, best original, like all of those. I always felt like that was because people basically saved up the awards for Lord of the Rings. Till the till last the one. Last one. <laughs> yeah. not, not necessarily because yeah. Return of the King was that much better than the yeah, other films. No, that's a good it point. It just actually. was the yeah. last one and yeah. he deserved the And it was such a, it was a climax to an incredible three feat years. of filmmaking. Yeah. Three years, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, anyway. That, is, that is really interesting. Yeah, Back well, to I Jurassic mean, Park. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, another movie uh, that kind of does this is a Kong Skull Island, which came I haven't out seen that. two years ago. Was it two years That's ago? That's the one with the weird Marvel tie-in, right? Yeah, no. Well, it's part of the it new. DC? It's part of the new shared universe. Wait, what? Is it DC King comics Kong though? and Godzilla? Like it's now one big shared oh, universe. Really? But who is who's behind that though? Um, but wasn't well, it? It's... Wasn't it? What's his name? Eye Patch guy. Eye Patch guy. Nick Fury. I don't even know. Yeah. That. Really? Oh, but no, that's not Marvel though. I don't think so. That's a There's totally no different Nick shared Fury. Universe. But Nick Fury was wasn't he involved no. in that? Was Samuel no. Jack L Jackson? In I it? think he. What? Samuel L. Jackson is in Kong Skull well, Island, but not thing. as Nick Fury. Not as Nick Fury. But it might as well be. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, well, every role Samuel so. L. Jackson plays it's is not, not Nick it's Fury. Not Samuel, <laughs> it's the Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> the, the first, universe. I have yeah. to say, the first actor to probably be CGI'd and to become like an immortal computer-generated person and character will probably be Samuel L. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, he just He'll be the first to quit. sign away his existence yeah, exactly. in a contract. Well, no, no, but it is a part of a whole comic book deal that was like the monsters. It's like bugs and monsters. Right, yeah, but it, but the point the being that... Tunnels. Well, Once was again, that supposed to be in the Mummy universe? 
No, no, no. It's because that was different. supposed to be like a dark. I, I think shared it is universe. maybe Warner Brothers. I think okay. it's Warner Brothers, Got but it. it's a different shared universe. But the reason I bring up Kong Skull Island is because it was a movie that was a lot more fun, and and it was actually a really fun movie. To is it see. the traditional but, story? Of uh, no, it's just a made-up Vietnam meets King Kong story. But okay. it had these invented creatures that are basically T-Rexes by another right. name, like you were saying earlier, right. to circle back around to our Jurassic Park <laughs> It did Park come full theme. circle. Yes, it did yeah. come full circle. But it is interesting how people update the T-Rex, and they just basically make the T-Rex a little bit faster and it's a evolved. little bit more crocodile-like. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the new <laughs> It has, like, cool new eyes. More crocodile-like. I love that. <laughs> um, well, and let's, let's go a little bit deeper here because the real question that we opted to talk about Jurassic Park, since, you know, this is called the moral of the story, yes. is about the morality at the heart of the story of Jurassic right. Park. Yep. And that is the... I mean, it's kind of a classic... Can we play God or not? Yeah. Question. It, well, I would those. argue it is one of the most classic. Yeah. As far as like the scientific age of being able to do this, mm-hmm. like I, I just I because we can. Yeah. Should we? Exactly. That's, it yeah. was one of those questions, and you can extrapolate that, you know, to lots of places. Right. I, I would say it's probably one of Cloning. the more innocent ones yeah. because it's not dealing with human life. Well, but still. All yeah, that's true. But the real question at the heart of it is, say, so say we could, you know, well, first. Michael Crichton, who wrote the original Jurassic Park book, really was a pioneer in what I would call um, like short-term science fiction. It's like science fiction, but it's not way out in the future. It's like near-term things that are plausible that could be created. Right. You know, that, right. And he and Jurassic Park is a classic story of his. Um, and the idea for those of don't remember or haven't seen the movie, if you're uh, from. Uh, uh, Live under if you're not a millennial who's imbibing in nostalgic <laughs> memories of yeah, great your childhood, all yeah. of our '90s childhoods, um, you know, they find DNA, for, you know, preserved in mosquitoes that sucked the blood of dinosaurs, and were preserved in the amber of these trees, yep. you know, on this island. So they get this DNA, and then they decide they can incubate and recreate and clone basically dinosaurs. dinosaurs they regrow yeah. them, um, but doing so poses a great risk to humanity, obviously. Because dinosaurs are big carnivores. Actually, (laughs) it's because all of the super-duper genetic researchers in the movie's plot, if you want to be specific, make a horrible mistake by choosing an androgynous frog (laughs) as the basis for the genetic... Remember linking, and yeah. it, and this frog can jump from female to male, like with and, yeah, and they and they think all the dinosaurs are females, but then some of them become male hmm. and become aggressive. But that's yeah, that's obviously the big question of you know, it, I, it stems from you could take it very very practically if if you could bring back an extinct animal or species, is that okay? And hmm. then on the next level is, it's the question of because if we can, should we? Right. You know, so. At what uh, risk? Which is not actually, I actually read a headline a few days ago about, I forget if it was, it's always the Chinese. It's somebody that, you know, plays fast and loose with their ethics. Um, And they were. (laughs) We all know the Chinese. It's always the Chinese, right? (laughs) Well, we just got banned from being played in China. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you know what I mean? Like it's like CRISPR gene editing yeah, or yeah, all this. Yeah. There's always some guy in China. Um, but <laughs> even though I will say the Chinese, they just threw a guy in prison for doing that, which I was surprised. I know. Oh. Guy, I was the, surprised was the guy that they that, did. The uh, cured the child of AIDS? Yes. Yes. He, yeah. yeah. And he now he's in prison because yep. apparently Cause even the Chinese are afraid of what CRISPR might do. Hmm. Right. Wow. But anyway, it was some. there was some extinct species that they were using gene editing to try to recreate. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. in the real world. So it's not, this again, this is like near term. It's not far out. Right. Science fiction. Well, and honestly, it's an incredibly complicated topic because like I saw a headline the other day, it was about a person in Florida who had brought some kind of a snake, I believe. I think it was a, mm-hmm. some kind of python, maybe a Burmese python. Mm-hmm. Um, but some kind Those of a snake yeah. or a reptile over from... Uh, Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. and it had escaped into the wilds of the Everglades, and it was totally wreaking havoc. It was procreating, it was wreaking havoc mm. in the Everglades, and it was totally transforming the ecosystem right. because it's an apex predator. Yeah, yeah. And there's no creatures that can withstand this. We don't have any mongoose. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. like we got. You have to totally alter what's going on. But this only happens because of what with the internet. It's like, a federal initiative to bring I the mongoose have money to America. And globalization. I can now yeah. buy a creature that doesn't even belong here. And and to me, that's fascinating because that's a really low level version of what Jurassic Park is. Right. Positive. Right, that's true. Right. No sci-fi required. It's, right. Mm-hmm. It's just a. A human. All you have to your friendly friendly neighborhood no Burmese python. <laughs> what do you what? I said your friendly neighborhood Burmese python. Uh, I can't do snakes. <laughs> they are the only animal in the Bible that is cursed by God, yes. and they are cursed for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan. Spiders were the un. They weren't. They didn't make it into I the can scriptures. Do spiders, but you know what happened. You know that God cursed a snake, and then he was like. Oh, and you, you little spider thing. But thingy. spider, you can you can crush it. Yeah, you can't crush a snake. It's a lot harder. True. Yeah. What about Brazilian jumping spiders? Oh, that, I've never encountered those. I've never been to Brazil. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> scary. Big ones, big ones. Well, anyway, back we to, digress. Back to dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, and and actually, I was mentioning this earlier. Jurassic Park is really just one of the most modern, up to date retellings of the Tower of Babel. Right. Mm-hmm. It was. It's just a whole group of yeah. people who all get caught up in this idealized vision of the future. And they put all scientific power behind it, which actually is in the Tower of Babel story. If you remember in Genesis, it talks about, you know, the big breakthrough in that story was they had learned how to fire bricks um, in mass, right? And they had apparently not known how to do that previous. Um, And if you look into this, it's kind of interesting because in ancient times, the way that they would bake bricks is they'd bake them in the sun. They'd just lay them out. And, but it takes a long time to do that and it's not very efficient. And then they figured out how to create ovens and just bake them at intense heat and make them really strong and a lot at a time. But it's very hard to do. And um, anyway, uh, that's the reason why they felt like they could build such a big tower. But that was just a scientific breakthrough circa, I don't know, 4,000 BC or something. And then the dinosaurs showed up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, and then... You get to uh, to the modern day, and we're talking about right. genetic. But codes. let's let's answer the question like super like practically. Today, if they could bring back a Velociraptor, is that okay? And should we do that, Ben? Oh man, I don't think that there is necessarily anything. Uh, uh, just at first glance, anything intrinsically wrong 
with using genetic information to bring back a species per se. I think that the danger would be in unforeseen consequences, right. like right. destroying the ecosystem. Right, or, exactly. I, I, and I don't even think that a velociraptor, one, I don't think that it's probably near as fierce or right. terrifying as it was in the movie. Right. That's all Hollywood. But if there was one that was like that, we would probably get rid of it really quick. Right. Um, the question would just be, would it get loose and... I don't know, devastate the antelope population of right. the Congo. Well, that, and that's the thing that I always find because in the movies, you know, you always have to show how this, this velociraptor is just this unstoppable car- carnivorous, like yeah. predator. Yeah. But people forget humans are the apex predators. Yeah. Right, like yeah. we, we, we are the, we all. are the velociraptor. We, we are. So like, <laughs> but especially in today's, technological age if those were to come back and they were actually posing a real threat there would be absolutely nothing to stop us from completely wiping them out again ever seen the incredible hulk exactly <laughs> like just it's to just, send the military after him yeah i mean there's just <laughs> so it is one of those things where it's like yes they could cause a problem to the ecosystem and, and other animals and things like that but if if ever we actually wanted to say okay we got to do something about that. This the real danger would be that they would be that they would get, you know. Obviously, the the story is always that they start breeding and it gets out of control, right? You know, and that that they stay away from the cities because they would get killed or right. because it's crowded, and that they go out into the country, right? Into right. the low income areas, rural areas, and then you have a what's the uh, chupacabra? You know, that's like sucks the blood of all the farm animals in Texas. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah those yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> It'd become yeah. one of those things. It'd Did be they like, ever kill that or get rid of it? I forget what like, the resolution of that story was. Yeah, there was. I a, remember reading that, being like, "Is that real?" It's a kind like, of freaky thing. Yeah, I don't remember. I feel like there was some sort of yeah. answer, but I I can't remember what it yeah. was now. In a way, though, the real dilemma of Jurassic Park to me—that's like the literal take yeah. of the moral yeah. dilemma of Jurassic Park. The bigger morality tale behind Jurassic Park is just when you're able to do something and you don't know what the consequences will be. Right. And that is exactly what the nuclear weapon is and was. Right. Um, and and there are now new examples of that that like CRISPR, mm-hmm. um, where we really do not know. I mean, artificial intelligence is the well. Other actually, one I was about to bring that where up. People don't you know, know AI, what it's that's what the singularity is. And you know, that's is. what they say right. when we hit mm-hmm. that singularity. It it passes the point of being able to predict what is going to happen. You know, recently, I don't believe in the singularity. Our oh, ongoing, don't, don't. our <laughs> ongoing uh, Elon Musk conversation. Uh-huh. He, I read recently, Elon Musk said he was ready to get his brain hooked up to a computer. Oh, did he? Yeah, there's some sort of neural interface he's about to plug himself into. Nice, but anyway, no, but that's, you know that is. But that's actually, his goal is to become the singularity. Yeah, like unite well, that with and technology. probably is is what we could probably say is the modern version of the Jurassic Park story, mm-hmm. story or the even Tower of Babel story. It's just this. Right. It's this creation of this uh, a god, basically. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's something that I personally think we're probably still far far way off of. Well, and that's but actually I, an interesting. I think but Ben, when you say that you think the singularity is impossible, dive, d- yeah. delve into that. What do you yeah. mean by that? Well, well, I, well, it's actually interesting what you just said because um, I think you do actually see it in the movies that are direct descendants of Jurassic Park like Kong Skull Island or, these, or, or the new Godzilla movies. They do 
basically posit that animals could become gods, you know, essentially. And uh, artificial intelligence, it's all about humans using science to create gods. You know? Right, and right. I think the thing about it, uh, the singularity, you know, could be defined as basically the point at which machine intelligence surpasses human intelligence. Or machine int- and in a way that that's even wrong because machine intelligence in certain ways has already surpassed human intelligence. It's really about you um, uniting. It's yeah. more about it's more about when general intelligence, which is what makes us unique, we're able to do a whole lot of different right, things right. and unite all the information together. When a computer surpasses us in general intelligence and learns how to add new intelligence to itself on its own, then it would basically become as smart as Albert Einstein a million times over in like record time right. is the idea of the singularity. Right. Now, to me, the problem with that is it's basically a vision of the future that only takes into account ones and zeros. It only takes into account the the technological scientific method approach to things. Facts. Because yeah. um, people have a nature that is made in the image of God. Now, boil that down a little bit. We have different powers in our soul, right? And one of them is the rational power. And that's the power that uh, computers imitate, right? They don't actually have it. They just mimic our rational power. But humans also have other powers, right? And the other powers are, you know, the emotive power. um, So emotion, but create, then they creative power, right? The creative yeah. power, and then and then there's another power um, that is, I, I guess, hard to define exactly. But it's basically the ability to see the meaning of things, or the goal of things, or why right. things right. ought mm-hmm. to be. It's basically the philosophical, metaphysical bent, and a computer will never have that. And so, even a computer that was a billion times quote smarter than us. What we mean by smarter is just this very materialistic, atheistic, utilitarian idea of smart. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that would not be a god. It would just be like Google with a voice. Well, and, and all the information will cancel itself out. Because the machine will never know what's important unless you tell it what's important. Well, and I don't and disagree so, with and, you. And but- so the singularity will never really be in the, in the mystical sense. Instead, you might have the Russian megalomaniac AI that wants to kill all the Americans. And you might have the American AI that's well, trying that's, to make sure everybody has coffee at yeah. 8 in the morning. Well, that's the thing, because ultimately, <laughs> but, any program you know, is going to make sure... <laughs> Russia <laughs> creates AI to take over the world. We create AI to serve ourselves coffee. It's <laughs> actually kind of true. Yeah. Actually, no, sad. but it, it, yeah. it, it's true in oh, that, man. you know, program uh, code and program is always going to reflect its creator. Yeah. Period. Yeah. But... Semicolon. And, what? Semicolon. <laughs> what? You said code is going to reflect its creator, period. And I said, no, semicolon. You don't oh, end, okay. No code No code ends in a period. I'm, it always I'm, ends in a semicolon. I'm sorry, you actually Alex. tried to learn code back I know, I have, a, I have a smattering. I have a, a smattering. smattering of Java. I have a smattering of Swift or to Java. Read Java. Or, Isn't it's Java super old now? Read some C. Uh, oh, yeah, Java's yeah, way, way yeah. passe. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't be able to... <laughs> I've, I've, I've delved squat. into Python and Swift yeah. and various, well, various I mean, internet languages. But 
And I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I don't think that's going to stop anyone from doing that. Like we're still working towards that. Well, I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit because I agree with you because you're talking about a computer on its own. I don't really see the singularity as that. I mean, some people might call it that, but I see it more as the uniting of the human mind with computational power. And when computers have the ability or when we gain the ability to actually directly interface with computing. I don't, that is the singularity up for interpretation? I or I, mean, I think there's Ray like Kurzweil, a unified... Ray Kurzweil developed the term, the okay. singularity. And what is his definition? Is that his definition? Because I've it, always it's, heard it's, it is explained as it, it to the point of artificial intelligence that we can, as humans... Not tell it, the difference. Not Well, not, not even tell the difference, but not predict what the computer is going to do. Like, if I... If I type two plus two into a calculator, I can predict that the calculator is going to spit out the number four. And that's like the most basic understanding of that. But anything we tell computers to learn or do, it's going to do what we tell it. And the singularity, from my understanding, has always been when we give it commands or when we, it reaches a point where we are not able to predict what it is going to do next. Well, and, and the the only problem with that definition, and I see what you're saying, is that that already is true to some extent because you have neural networks, and that with deep learning, and these are the computers now that are but, doing the really see, crazy stuff. But we're stuff. telling it to do that. It's not yeah, doing well, it. It's on its, it's own. It's a trained well, dog. You're, yeah. you're I mean, releasing it into the wild, basically, and it's teaching itself. But we've told it to teach. It hasn't started teaching itself on its own yet. Right. It doesn't have self-initiative. And I think think the point I'm making is that a computer can't have self-initiative by definition, basically. Like, it can... Now, you can give it a command, and then it can start to reinterpret that command again and again and again, so that maybe the original command is always being recycled, so to speak. Like, maybe something like that. But... Um, the, the problem is, and actually, um, Ed Fazer, the the uh, philosopher, he he made this argument actually in a really good write up on his blog, which great philosophy blog. But he made the point that the whole question of the singularity is actually exactly the same question as long ago when people said, "What if you know two white men with guns landed on some Aborigine island and were worshipped as gods?" Right? Is there any difference between magic? quote unquote, and what the Aborigine thinks is happening when he sees a gun get fired. So the right. Aborigine who's never seen a gun, he may, he may say, oh, black magic, he kills a man at a distance. He can you throw know, death. He can, yeah, he, can, he throws death or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, actually Thor <laughs> he kind of says this in the Marvel movies, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, our magic is just your science or whatever. Yeah. But the point that Phaser makes is that the the aborigine is wrong, right? That there is actually like a functionality of the gun that is discoverable. Right. And so yeah. the idea of science at some point reaching the point of seeing like seeming like magic can never actually happen because there will always be the distinction Do between we have the, quote magic and right. computers. Do we have yeah. the actual so this definition? is interesting. So Kurz, well, first, Kurzweil did not originate the term singularity. The idea of the singularity goes back far, far uh, before him. Um, And and it does, 
basically people define the idea differently. Okay. You know, so Got it. people like the singularity is at this moment of technological change getting so far ahead that we can't predict what life would be like. Okay. After it. Right. And people say that different things would cause that. Right. You know, okay. um, so Kurzweil and others, you know, really the idea of an intelligence explosion is the idea that there's right. a technology created or an entity created that can self-improve to the point that it, you know, perpetuates its own improvement to the degree that it accelerates so quickly you can't predict what happens right. after. But Im- right. improvement in what direction? And, and well, this that, is, to me, there's is, a big hole in this because yeah. actually, it's funny, I have read a book by the guy who they say started this idea, John von Neumann. Uh, in high school, I had got this little book that he wrote called The Computer and the Brain, and it was a very, very dry book um, about uh, transistors and synapses in your brain. Oh, but, fun. Um, but this idea of a point of no return, basically, right. where you know AI essentially you know, starts self-training. The question, though, is how do they self-train without access to the physical world? You know, this is an idea that kind of like you can get everything from book learning. Yeah. Right. And that's a really an unknown because, and that's where um, like they actually bring up Elon Musk here in this Wikipedia article about, you know, predicting that AI left to its own will cause the extinction of humanity. Right. You know, which is kind of a dark, that's why Musk is actually for interfacing with, he wants human guided artificial intelligence. Right. You know, which and is, here's, anyway, so who here's, knows? Here's but. the things, the, the questions I always have when I read all this stuff though. And this is one, humans our our inputs like our ability to receive information is extraordinarily limited right we we can't only take in so much at once a computer can take in way more amounts of information right. than we can so when you hook up to this computer that's moving at billions of you know light speed in terms of its brain capacity you're not going to be able to quote guide it or anything that's that's ridiculous by the same token, the computer is just going to achieve whatever goals it has almost instantaneously once it has all of the repertoire of, you know, uh, printing machines, 3D printers, and uh, uh, robotics. It can start building itself robot bodies well, that it can inhabit. Once you, and these say sorts you of had things. a giant computer that can do whatever, you know, do anything, read, self-train and learn all like these the things. Like the one in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, a computer like Law, how yeah. backwards. No, um, you know, but the, the reality is that computer is really what is really the cutting edge of like chip technology and like programmable chips, right? Because computers, the zeros and ones thing, is like the lowest level of how transistors work. When you get to quantum computing or um, field, like like okay, Luke, Luke, our video, our man over here, um, the Mac Pro and the uh, the video chip they've got right. the afterburner. Right. That is a field programmable gate array. Yeah. Right. Which means the the chip itself can be physically reprogrammed. Right. By the software to do certain kinds of computation really really fast. Right. And that can be changed. So it actually changes the physical construction of the chip and yeah. the way data flows. Mm-hmm. So the physicality of the chip is made optimized for certain kinds of calculation. Right. Um, and that's been in theory. I read an article by the guy like 15 years ago, the guy who invented the idea of that. Oh, really? Like wow. at MIT. 
you know, and that's been in development yeah. that long. And I've never, I've never even seen till Apple. That's the widest, broadest marketable. Apple probably thing. bought the patent like <laughs> probably, 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> but um, anyway, so that kind of stuff. But if you have a computer that can basically remake itself. Yeah. You know, you're then dealing with like the dude from Terminator, basically. Right. Right. You know, right. you're dealing with an AI that can remake its own Right. Self but why on, would it remake itself? You well, see, that, this is the problem because that's the question. To you, achieve what you, end? To and achieve what end? But that's and, the story of Terminator. Where, right. right. And, well, when this is the and problem how, with we get here the whole Jurassic idea Park, to me of the singularity is because, <laughs> yeah. like, when you say, well, why will, it be a super, why will it be a supercomputer? Why will it be a god in computer form? And you say, well, it will have the capacity to do anything it wants. Well, that word want, like, it doesn't want anything. So, mm-hmm. so the, the thing that people do want, people do want world domination. People do want to win wars. Mm-hmm. People do want to solve food problems. So, you know, to me, AI, it, what things it could do, yeah, it could create a world where suddenly, um, you know, there are cures to diseases. Suddenly there are more, there's more food. Suddenly you can create things, you know, at the drop of a hat. But it probably will, the first thing it will do will probably win World War III for some big nation. Mm -hmm. Because war is probably something that could be programmed really easily. And no one will want to fight World War III. A very interesting book I read called The Face of Battle by John Keegan. And he made the argument that the reason World War I ended and World War II was very different even from World War One is because progressively with each war that we fought, the tendency for the battlefield to become literally just anti-life, period. It's not just about men, you know, learning to fight well under conditions. We have weapons now where if World War Three really was fought, people just wouldn't be able to even survive. Yeah. on a battlefield because of the weapons involved. Well, I was thinking like and, if China and, decided and, and to invade the And the reason US, World War I ended is because people realized they couldn't be heroes like they were in the Napoleonic Wars or like all the wars before that, casualties were much less than they had been and people had this idea of being a hero on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still have Medal of Honor winners, but guess what? They all, most of them die. Yeah. Like and yeah. and so there's a, just a shift, and once AI takes over war and robots take over war, no one will want to lift a finger, and you'll just have the two AIs do like a little chess match, and one of them will win, and the other country is in ruins, and the other country isn't. But but the thing and is, the and this war. is this is yeah. where I think I still probably, and I'm not saying this because I I want it by any means, but I, just the idea of a artificial intelligent, you know, computer doesn't sounds probable in the future to me. It's just because it's, well, honestly, it goes back to, you know, the tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the, the scripture says, you know, once they were able to, because they were able to communicate with, you know, each other, basically whatever they put their minds to, they did. Right. And it's just like, we're moving towards that again, but everyone can communicate with each other. That means whatever we set out to do, Given enough time, is going to happen. Now, well, that's true. Now, but let's take this. Were, let's I, take this. I, I, really I think there's t- very few things that are "quote unquote" impossible. Let's take the. You know? I, let's take the one thing that exists today, though, which is say, okay, where can you find humans? Who's because the reality is, even if you had the AI, 
that could tell everybody what to do to govern the nation perfectly. The bottom line is people won't want to do it. People know what would be the best thing, but we consistently choose the things that are not the best. And so just because we have a computer telling us, people still have to choose to obey the thing that tells them to do that stuff. Right. And so we have an example, though, today of thousands of people who are told what to do by an AI, and that is Amazon's workforce, right? Hmm. And all we see are reports of people complaining about how- Is that how, AI run? Yeah, their warehousing system is quoted by an AI. I didn't know Basically, that. Basically, Alexa tells everybody, okay. <laughs> like, you're supposed to ship this many packages an hour, you're supposed, you know- for- Dang it, Alexa, stop telling me what to do. <laughs> it's this weird cycle. You order with Alexa, then Alexa says, like, hey, ship him this. You know, but but that's what people that's that are creepy. in that system, they're they're all complaining because it's so inhumane. Right. That we can't make these things. We're getting injured because we have, you know, the right. quotas are too high, work conditions are not good enough, yada yada. All yeah. those kinds yeah. of things. Um, not to not yada yada, it sounds like I'm belittling that, but it but all of that type of complaint is what we get. So the question is, will anybody actually listen? Yeah. Unless you have a totalitarian government come right, along. Right. Because what I imagine, okay, you have the singularity. The, the China AI, whatever you know, AI China So say, is, yeah, here's yeah, what I imagine. Yeah. Okay. If Vladimir Putin could hook himself up to the AI, and you don't just have an AI, but you have Vladimir Putin somehow directing in some sort of cybernetic interface, the AI that then is he, he then knows he knows all these things. He some somehow you know who knows how it works gets the feed and can tell what like all of his security cameras and all of the anything that he's interested Batman. in. Batman, <laughs> like it filters and he like can like tell. But see again, that's then not- what kind of power does that individual wield? Well, interesting side note to compare to that, you know. Uh, the church fathers and you know Christian tradition for a long, long time interpreted a lot of the prophecies about the end of the world concerning the Antichrist as that the Antichrist would be, quote unquote, a sorcerer, right, and hmm. and that he would be able to do things, uh, false miracles, mm-hmm. right, like even raising people from the dead or things, but. It it was that he would not he would not actually be doing those things right that they would be um, counterfeits hmm. of some sort, which is interesting in this whole conversation because I think you could imagine even though I don't believe in the singularity I think you could imagine a situation where things become so powerful that maybe a select group of people could wield enough power that those outside the inner circle would be amazed mm-hmm. and would actually worship this thing. I mean, that's all Nebuchadnezzar's statue was supposed it was supposed to be able to speak, right? Like that was sort of the the mythology was these idols, um, like you see in Revelation, they speak and they act and they move and the the ancient guardians of pagan temples, they would create these very complex systems of tech, technical systems where the idol would shift and even reach and appear to eat food and things like it was really crazy stuff that they would mm. be able to do. And you even see bits of this in like Exodus when um, Janus and Jambres, I think I'm pronouncing it right, the the two sorcerers who oppose Moses, yeah. you know, they're able to do a lot of Moses's own mm-hmm. things uh, opposed to him. 
But presumably, a lot of that stuff, setting aside demonic influence, was trickery. Um, right. And that that's where I think you could reach an interesting place, because maybe the AI could know how to do things um, and tell people how to do things um, who would conceal that information. Well, and if you take ends. if you take the the idea of nanotechnology and genetic, you know, computer guided genetic engineering, um, or a person who is in charge of a system that can actually work on that level and govern those things, you would have a a entity that wouldn't just be able to make dinosaurs again. They could literally create new life forms, quote unquote. Yeah. Of, of you know, because once you get to the nanotechnological level, you're talking about, you know, engineered items that would have all the appearance of even if, you know, right. if we're back to Blade Runner. Right. You know, yeah. people who look and look and breathe and feel like humans, but are not. Yeah. You know, and then you're actually in Brave New World. Yeah. Is really what you're in. Well, you're and, in, and I will or, say, I mean, as really, an you addendum. could mash up Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, <laughs> and uh, all the Michael Wright <laughs> novels, and you have you know, basically the world as you would know it. Exactly. Um, you know, right, right, it, weird wars being fought between the three great world powers, everybody on dope um, and getting laid, working in their factory. But here's the thing. Here's the, the crazy you know, thing. And I'm going to. But I'm gonna, if you read the works of Shakespeare, you'll break free. But, but I'm going <laughs> to kind of wrap it up with this because this is a crazy thought. Because all those stories, the, that, that is an incredibly dark, dim future. Mm-hmm. But Jurassic Park is such a fun movie. But it's the beginning of that. Yeah, you know, oh, it it's is, like yeah. you—it's it, an adventure. John Williams' score is soaring. Dinosaurs, like you've never seen them before, it is a magical <laughs> experience. But that is the beginning. Well, of you know the, the lyric to uh, his his score, right? No. We go to our death. We go to <laughs> our death. <laughs> That's good. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> I just made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, because there, there, there are people who have like made up the lyrics to Duel the Fates. Oh, right. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, no, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. like that technology and that ability is really the, the beginning of all those deep, dark, inevitable futures of humanity. But it starts in such a whimsical, fun, hey, adventurous way. It wouldn't be fun if we... <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's true. So it, it is kind of crazy to think that, I mean, even take The Matrix and Jurassic Park and put them side by side, because mm-hmm. we started talking about AI and all that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that technology inevitably leads to The Matrix. You know? Right. And it's like, it, it's, it's so crazy how... Mm-hmm different those two stories are but that technology yeah and that mindset more the mindset yeah. well alex what was the uh what was the moral of the story for jurassic park um you know i think i mean there's a there's a real obvious moral of jurassic park which is yeah, don't when climb you, on an electric fence that's a good one <laughs> that's a good one um but you know it's essentially the you know when you try to play god yeah. You bring your own destruction on yourself. Right. And and in a way, you can read Jurassic Park as a much more uh, myth, more of a myth reading right. of saying when humanity seeks to do that which is beyond it, to leave its orb, um, it calls out its own destruction yeah. you know, in that very action. 
that's the most the highest level maybe takeaway from that tale. Yeah. And it's told in a, a dozen like we've been talking about yeah. dozens of ways that this story is yeah. told. Um and is honestly even the story of Lucifer. Yeah. Right. If you take it, you know, that Lucifer left its proper plate, his right. proper place. Um and and now eventually in the ultimate, you know, end of all history will be annihilated. Right. Because of that. Yeah. Um it is crazy how I guess how I don't really annihilated. He'll be eternally punished. Maybe he'll be defeated. defeated. defeated yeah. <laughs> but it is amazing what a common story Jurassic Park is mm-hmm. told in such a different way. You it know? is. It is. It's a very. It's a very unique spin. Um, and and I think a great tale. You know, yeah. just on its own, yeah. it's a great tale of human ingenuity, right? Pen and a cost and yeah. all of those things. Um, for me, I think you know it's it's interesting because bioethics is really the cutting edge of philosophy and of you know theology in a sense and yeah. saying what do we do with the abilities that are given to us as humans with the places technology has gone and is going and you know even to the point of you know things like uh, artificial uh, means of conceiving children yeah and you get to you know a place that is very sensitive for a lot of people you right. know, because they have very difficult situations and other things but you know um we have like in vitro and you have all these other things that you're you're allowing science to delve into a place that it does not actually understand you know yeah. you can being able having the power to do something doesn't mean you have the authority to or the delegated right and that goes back to our role as humans in recognizing that our greatest power is a delegated power yeah you know our creative ability is a delegated ability yeah our creative ability in having children or in any of the creative activity we undertake you know um is under submission and that's where we get back to Tolkien, you know, and yeah. Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, this is not really from Lord of the Rings, but in his thought, his whole sub-creator idea of saying, we create as a uh, sub, as a subreddit, right? We, we're we're a God's, right. uh, you know, legate. We're his envoy in the world. Right. And we create and we, you know, initiate things only underneath his authority and in the way in which he's given us to do it. Right. And so, you know, science really, I mean, it's it's really the story of Pandora's box. You yep. know, it's really it's that we we open up something out of our curiosity that we right. don't understand and evils uh, yeah. galore come and consume us. And that to me is that is the story of Jurassic Park. Well, actually, if there's a moral of the story of Jurassic Park, it's that um kids if you're in a kitchen and a velociraptor comes calling just hide in the island or if you're anywhere and the water starts to shake (laughs) every time I watch that I'm like why did you let him climb on that fence like don't do that (laughs) know which side of the fence you're on and whether it's turned on (laughs) yeah no um, no, I, I I think that looking back on really all of Michael Crichton's books, um, he really was very good at uh, identifying things that could go very, very wrong with the powers of human ingenuity. 
And um, at the end of the day, kind of what you're saying, Alex, the sacredness of life. Um, life shouldn't be stuck into a box and be, you know, pricked and prodded mm-hmm. by the tools of science, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I think, you know, the verse I think of is, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be at the end of the world in the days of the Son of Man. And that verse has many connotations, like Christ talks about. You know, they'll, they'll be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. and But the thing that I always think of when I think of in the days of Noah is Genesis 5. And there's this very mysterious passage about the sons of God and the daughters of men. And, um, you know, they... They cohabitated they left their and, and the proper mm-hmm. sphere, and it says in those days there were giants um, in the land. And however you interpret that verse, and there's a few different ways to interpret it. I think the thing, certainly one of the things that's implied by that verse is that in the days of Noah, one of the things that brought forth the flood, right, the destruction of the world, was. People were tinkering with life. People were tinkering with humanity to an extent that they were producing epic heroes, giants, but also terrifying yeah, monsters. things. And and if you look at, you know, stories of Lamech and Tubal Cain and the line of Cain, like the very last stories that are told before that story is shared. You have the invention of metallurgy and weapons of war and uh, music and and this this explosion of quote civilization. In other words, it was a peak of civilization before the flood. And in this peak of civilization, what were people caring about? What they were caring about: sex, giving in marriage, and food. And they were willing to do anything to get it. And what that led to was war. Basically, bloodshed and the victors were the ones who had tinkered with humanity. And when you kind of put all those puzzle pieces together, you say, well, you know, modern society isn't too far away from that. You know, we could take CRISPR and create super soldiers and everybody's eight feet tall. Mm -hmm. And those eight feet tall soldiers or eight foot tall soldiers, they're unstoppable, right? And they have the, the sharpest eyesight around. And maybe there's a little bit of lion DNA, so they run a little faster. I don't know. It's something yeah. crazy <laughs> that we have no idea about now. Um, but one day you'll wake up and you'll say, oh my goodness, we can't control what we've created. Right. And, you and mean that's singularity, the, Ben? That's, well, <laughs> the, the thing you don't believe in. You think in. the thing you don't believe in? <laughs> well, no. I don't believe in artificial intelligence singularity. Yeah. But I do believe, can man make himself like a god with his own power. Yeah, man yeah. can do that. That's that's actually what Genesis is about, yeah. right? When man fell, God says, bar him from the tree of life because he can't live forever. Right. And then with Noah's flood, he said, actually, he's still living too long. He's too smart. Let's bring it down a notch. So he lowers it to 120 years. And then what's the next story? The Tower yep. of Babel. He's able to build anything he wants to. Yeah. We got to split them up. In other words, if man can overcome the language barrier, like you're saying, Luke, if he can overcome the longevity barrier, 
which is the core of the current goal. AI, yeah. That is the, the longevity that is the barrier goal of, of then the technology movement. The longevity barrier, then he'll then maybe the third step, which to me the Nephilim suggests, is um a kind of superpower or a yeah. kind of just uh, superpowered humans. Right. Yeah. Um and yeah, if I'm walking around in an exoskeleton and I have one and you don't, I'm effectively a superhuman. Yeah. That's you know? true. And and that's that's different. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's and that's the uh that's kind of the dark side that no one really likes to uh mm-hmm. talk about, you know, cuz I like to talk about it. <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here we're talking about no, it. no you know what i mean you know science always has like it's gonna a, be okay 40, we're gonna yeah. get to sign up for one of jeff bezos's earth pods ah yes you know and just go yeah while away i'll go to mars with uh with elon <laughs> did Musk. you see the new cha- the the chair from uh uh what's the movie the pixar one about the wally space. wally the chair from wally it they, was invented. Are you serious? It is actually a real thing now. <laughs> it is a literal real chair for people Wait, that wasn't can't. Wasn't it a hovercraft? Well, it's a real chair that people invented. It's and it's. I just saw it like a couple days ago That's online. Amazing. It is literally. It's exactly like the Wally chair, and it like takes you where you need to go. And it, like, it's for people who- I want to see that because that, that's like the funniest part of that movie that they're just yeah, kind of like I know oh, I know man. but I thought it was like that's the chair from Wally wow um, anyway that was, well, that was funny Luke what is your moral oh, yeah. story I was about to move on to our sponsor but I guess I will <laughs> um, I th- yeah I think for me I just think of like one of you had mentioned it Pandora, Pandora's box um, mm-hmm. when I watch Jurassic Park it's one of those things that um you just, you don't really know what you're getting into. You don't, you know, you think it may be an admiral thing at the beginning Mm -hmm. and you know, what's not cool about bringing dinosaurs back, but you don't, you almost get so caught up in the quote unquote good that you're doing that you don't even think about the horrific ramifications and consequences that could come from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether you can be eaten. (laughs) mainly whether you will be lunch Uh, and if you have a computer programmer with a substance abuse problem exactly (laughs) but you know so it's you you try to you try to boil that down into you know what are you doing to what are you you know i try to always find practical things to learn from what are you doing in your life that you may think is great but it could have ramifications that you you that you may never even have to uh, deal with. Mm-hmm. It could be your children or yeah, it right. could be someone else, your friends that actually have to deal with that mm-hmm. um, bad decision or, mm-hmm. or it, and it may not have even seemed like a bad decision in that moment. Something but, that uh, is kind of interesting about Jurassic Park, the first movie <laughs> and definitely the matrix, the first movie. Um, and I'm sure there's other examples of this in this genre of like man-made God but they all have kind of an Eden and then a fall, right? Like there's the Edenic yeah. harmony of the opening. Mm-hmm. And then there's always that Judas figure, right? Yeah. It's the fat guy like yeah. you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. And then in The Matrix, it's the uh, skinhead guy right. yeah. who, uh, who sells out. Yep. But it's always like that Lucifer figure yeah. who just is... Tr- and it's funny because that really is the most evil of all characters, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Like in the all of storytelling, yeah. in all of storytelling, it's never the Thanoses that are no. really the most evil people. It's that Judas who- It's the sellout, yeah. He's he's in the inner ring and he's willing to kill everybody. Well, right, that's why the bottom him. of hell, like go to your Dante, yeah, the bottom yeah. of hell is traitors. Yeah. 
the yeah. traitor to God. He has Brutus, Cassius, and Judas. Yeah. yeah. The, the traitor to government, the traitor to God, and the traitor to friends. Hmm. Yeah. And they're in the three heads of yeah. the devil being Ooh. chomped in the bottom of hell. Yeah. That's a lovely image. Yeah. <laughs> Who is, whose wings are creating an infinite sea of ice at the bottom of hell. Sounds like something from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Long before Game of Thrones. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> well, Speaking of which, yes, our book recommendation, yes. Alex uh, reminded me of this. Um, and maybe we've done this once before, but I'm going to do it again because it is so amazing. I've been listening to Dante's Paradiso, read by Heathcote Williams. And it has Renaissance music that breaks up the cantos. And so it's just this transporting experience. It's a prose translation of Dante's Divine Comedy. But if you want to just put on something and meditate on some of the most beautiful poetic language ever penned with gorgeous Renaissance music and wonderfully read by this amazing actor, get the Heathcote Williams Divine some, Comedy. A, a tidbit people and, may find And read about and or hear about Lucifer's wings and the ice at the bottom of hell. Well, that's yeah. not the Paradiso, though. That's in the Inferno. <laughs> that's the Inferno. That's the Inferno. Yeah. Um, but people might find it interesting that the Paradiso is, you know, everybody is made to read the Inferno in college right. or in high school. And that is only the first part of a trilogy that is the Divine Comedy, which is the whole work. But all the modern educational institution wants you to read is about hell. Because it's all like, ooh, listen to this about hell. This guy gets ripped in half. This, this is, guy gets, isn't God, edgy. Isn't God it's mean? It's edgy, Alex. You know? It's edgy. But it doesn't tell you any of the glory. But yeah. uh, C.S. Lewis was once asked why he didn't write the other side of the story, like the flip coin to the screw tape letters. Uh-huh. And the, the answer he gave to that was that he didn't think that he was capable of it because he said that every line of in his example was the Paradiso. He wow. said every line would have to be beyond even what Dante wrote in the Paradise. That's deep, and that he just didn't think he could yeah. do it. You know, and he didn't have the inspiration. Wow, because Dante, basically, if you really get down to it, Dante claimed to have a vision. Right. Yeah. He wrote it as a vision, and people who know, yeah, like Charles Williams believe that he really did have a vision. Right. And that the and yeah. Because we only have the Paradiso. They didn't have any of it. Yeah. Um when he died until he appeared to his son in a dream and revealed to the place he had hidden the manuscript in his house. Well, his I son didn't know woke that up part. from the dream, wow. went and found it in the place that Dante told him in the dream. Wow. And that is why we have the Paradise today. Interesting. And wow. it's very beautiful. It is. Well what you can you get can that on Audible for free. If you visit audibletrial.com forward slash moral of the story, you can get that uh, podcast absolutely free. You sign up for a free- It's not a podcast. Audiobook. Audiobook. Yes, my bad. (laughs) You get that and it helps support the podcast. There we go. I was was getting there somehow. But yeah, so visit uh, visit that link in the show description. Mm -hmm. It'll take you right there. Sign up. Alternate uh, recommendation today yeah. is get the audiobook of Jurassic Park. Yeah, true. It was a book first. It was a book first. Yeah. Uh, we all know the movie, but it was, a, it was a very, very popular book. And somebody asked me the other day, they were surprised. They were like, oh, somebody told me how that works. Like, it actually does 
support things. Yeah, like, no, it, it actually, actually does. does. <laughs> not no, just you actually like, do. Uh, we appreciate it. It's not. We don't get like our own Audible credits because you do that. No. They actually like support the show. It so actually, <laughs> monetarily supports the show. <laughs> <laughs> if you're wondering, as not a figure of speech. Yes, no, it, it very practically does. But uh, yes. also, other ways to very practically support the show is subscribe uh-huh. uh, wherever you're listening, rate it comment, mm-hmm. uh, share it with your friends, family, and enemies. Um, follow us on all the social media platforms so you can know when we re- uh, release new episodes. Mm-hmm. And, Send yeah. us questions or yeah. recommendations, and uh, if they're really good, they might yeah. want to make it onto the show. Yeah, I think we, we've we talked about kind of opening it up and, and having some of our audience members pick some of our future episodes. So Yeah, we should do a poll on our yeah, Facebook Yeah, do a poll. Uh, yeah. Let, let us know what you think we should cover, and uh, we'll... We'll keep it, yeah, if we like the suggestions. <laughs> That's why we we're do like, a poll. Well, they've all voted for this movie. We hate that movie. Okay, we're not doing it. <laughs> no, we should do a poll. That way we pick yeah. the movies or then have a none of the above. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of the above. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thank you for listening. And till next time. The moral of the story with Alex Wallover, Luke Taylor, and Benjamin Wallover. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2020 Moral of the Story Media.